Look, I need you to do me a favor. If you like my content, share it with people close to you. It helps this channel tremendously in a way you just wouldn't believe. Society somehow doesn't believe that a man can be raped. And in some cases you find that it's even the parents who are sending them to go. Doris Kathia, welcome to the show. Thank you, Celio. I read your article on sexuality education empowering the youth in Kenya. How does sexuality education empower the youth in Kenya? Thank you, Celio, for that um, question. And I'm happy that at least someone read my article. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, because, okay, I've been writing articles uh, for quite a long time. Uh -huh. And... I wasn't sure people read articles until you reached out until, okay, other people also reached out. So I'm sure at least two or three people reads my article. Uh -huh. <laughs> and that's interesting. Anyway, uh, jumping back to your question, how does uh, sexuality empower young people? Uh, first and foremost, um, without many people, and uh, in this case, young people, uh, you find that... Uh, People have information, but not really concrete information, not accurate information. And when it comes to them making choices and decisions about themselves, about their bodies, about their reproductive rights and health, um, they cannot make them um, right simply because they don't know how to go about it. And so how then sexuality uh, empowers young people, first of all, it um, gives them the right information to be able to make choices about their reproductive health. And maybe if you don't understand what reproductive health, it's in regards to our bodies and particularly the reproductive organs in our bodies. So when it comes to sexual uh, aspect, it all depends with the sexual organs now in this case, because we have various diseases and uh, yeah various diseases for instance hiv for instance uh, not even diseases even situations teenage pregnancy and all that uh, yeah so when it comes to then the education bit uh, bit of it is that people are able to be empowered or rather educated or capacity built to be able to make their decisions in regards now to the sexual and reproductive bit of ourselves. That means if, for instance, I want to be in a relationship, I don't really have to be discriminated. Even 15 years and I've gotten pregnant uh, could be because I wanted to or could be because I was raped. All right. So then in that case, uh, if I had the right information, I would have been able to negotiate for sex, for safer sex. Right. By safer sex, I mean a protected sex whereby, yeah, you want to have sex, but please, can you use a condom? Yeah. So it's basically capacity builds adolescents and young people to have the correct and accurate information to be able to make choices and even access services when it comes to services. Because most of the time you find that, for instance, men, uh, someone has been assaulted or someone has been is even experiencing violence, but they cannot go to a facility 
facility to get a service because they fear to be to be discriminated or to be stigmatized because they are men. Um, maybe they have even uh, encountered the violence, but they can't even go to report simply because they are afraid that what are the police going to say? I'm a man. I've been assaulted by maybe my partner. That is not, you know, but if they have the right information, then they're able to make the choice to say, let me go get a service. Let me go report. Let me go. Let me do this and that. I have so many things to ask you from what you just said. You said in the beginning, there are so many misinformations when it comes to sexuality. What are those misinformations? Okay, uh, by misinformation, I mean uh, there's a lot of uh, information being shared both online and even physically, whereby people give in incorrect information in regards to sexuality, in regards to reproductive health. For instance, I'm not sure if you're conversant with an organization called Citizen Go. Citizen Go is a Spanish-funded organization that usually tells wrong stories or gives Inform, wrong information when it comes to reproductive issues. First of all, uh, they talk about uh, abortion, for instance, being being a sin, being illegal, being, you know, like a murderer and someone is seen as a murderer and all that. But that is not the correct information. It is true. Uh, abortion is, is procured, one, to save life. Secondly, People have a choice to make when it comes to abortion, for instance. Let me allow me to speak about that. Um, thirdly, uh, people have to make the choices they want when it comes to their reproductive health. So if someone, for instance, has been raped and now the only solution, they've come to the conclusion in, within themselves that I cannot keep this baby, right? You can't force someone to keep the baby they don't want. It's from a rapist, you know, and it is not illegal to procure an abortion, it is restricted in that you can procure abortion under certain circumstances. So uh, all this information even scares people from seeking services, you see. But if we were to give the correct information and accurate and then let people make the choices they want to make, for instance. I don't think you and I agree on that. The abortion thing. Uh, I don't want to get deep into that, <laughs> but that's thank that's, you for not opening that wood because that, that that is my opinion, uh, and you totally entitled to believe in in your opinion. Um, so in short, sexuality education is to bring awareness to the youth and help them make better life, uh, you know, choices and. You also talked about rape and people being scared to go and report specifically when you're a man. Society somehow doesn't believe that a man can be raped. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's now why it becomes even difficult for men to speak out because they are afraid of what people are going to say about it. Yeah. How are they going to be seen or treated simply because of what they have experienced? But if you try to understand society... In, in terms of men being raped. When a woman is raped, you know, basically some people believe that sex is a man doing the action of, you know, the activities. And when a man is raped, first of all, he has to be turned on. There should be a little bit of participation on the, you know, on the side of the man. It's not the same case with women. A woman doesn't have to be turned on for a man to rape her. 
are you seriously saying that a woman should not be turned on to for her to engage into sex no, no, and I, no, are I'm you just, also uh, saying that men cannot be raped no no i'm not saying that what, what what i'm saying is a woman doesn't have to be turned on to be raped but for a man to to be raped he has to be turned on so there's a psychological implication in there i don't know if we understand things i understand perfectly what you're saying yeah. <laughs> what what i don't get is Okay. Okay. Anyway, that's a discussion for another day. <laughs> no, no, no. Sure, sure. You, you can talk about no, it. No, no, okay. no. That's a discussion for another day. <laughs> okay, but uh, my question was on men being raped and the way society sees it, and what's your take on how to maybe help men become more vocal when it comes to reporting uh, the crime? Uh, good. Uh, so first of all, you should not be ashamed as a man to speak out or report that you have been raped that you have been violated that you have been assaulted or anything because we are not living in the 19th centuries we are in the 23rd or 21st century i don't know and things are changing if we continue to live in the cultural norms and beliefs and the religious whatever then you you men will continue suffering because you will never never ever be able to speak out you'll never ever be able to even address the the root causes of the problems that you're facing yeah so i what what i would say is that don't be ashamed so speak what, out so what happens to a man who is mastered his courage went to the police report and they still don't believe him there's that now that is the starting point of the of changing the cultural norms that is the starting point of changing the social norms because once someone has gone to report someone else will also go to report because that is what builds the courage to go and report to go and speak and start speaking out that is what gives the courage or even a platform for people to even start fighting for you to join you in that journey to get support and to get help that you need i guess you in your article you stated that uh And I quote, um, youth in Kenya face challenges while transitioning into adulthood, especially girls living in poverty. How does poverty affect the transitioning for young girls? Well, uh, poverty is a cause for many problems and particularly for girls. Um, you find that, for instance, let me speak about uh, menstrual hygiene. Uh, you find that in many cases where girls, a girl is from a very poor family the likelihood of even getting or being able to provide for menstrual products is low right and so for them they have to depend on other people otherwise they will not go to school for that particular day or for the particular week when they are experiencing the menstrual cycle so when it comes to them depending on other people to get the menstrual product the likelihood is they are going to be taken advantage of by being taken advantage of it, what i mean is uh in most cases we've seen maybe i don't know if you read the story about kisumu or omabi whereby they sex for tra transactional sex issues to do with transactional sex and so in some counties or in some places you find that the border border guys are the main perpetrators when it comes to menstrual products because now someone is like um 
in a position they are not they don't have the menstrual product the sanitary menstrual product in kama the sanitary towels the you know all those products eh? so when someone doesn't have that and they go seek help from someone else what happens is that you give me sex and i'll give you this it's a transactional kind of business in that case the likelihood of that girl getting pregnant is high and once they get pregnant they will drop out of school right dropping out of school no education and the cycle will continue so poverty starts from one person and it transits to even other generations this is because they have not been able to break that cycle because there is no one who has ever exceeded the point where the, that problem started so uh, what then happens and um, coming back to your question is that uh, if a family or if someone is not able to continue with their education for instance it means that they will not even be able to attain their full potential it means they will not be able to attain their dreams or their aspirations because they can't provide for that and how do you suggest that uh, the government help young girls who are in deep poverty level i know uh especially in kenya right now we are in deep shit for all of us and the government may not be able to meet all everyone's needs as much as it might want but there are things that it could do to ensure that everybody is comfortable for instance in 20 i think in 2017 or which year, i'm not sure but there was the pronouncement that every school should be given sanitary towels for every girl what that means is that it's going to reduce the level of one girl girls missing school because of uh, uh menstruation because during the time when someone is menstruating the likelihood of them going to school is low if they are, if they don't have the sanitary products uh so then that would have reduced that um that barrier then another thing it also reduces the chances of them getting pregnant uh from people who might want to take advantage of them in exchange of sex then another thing is that what then the government can do is continue with these kind of programs so that every girl is catered for another thing is also making education uh completely free because we have people who can't entirely provide for their education in our country we are told that education is free but trust me education is very 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 expensive someone is in a primary school and every month or even every term they are required to pay a certain amount of money many families in kenya kenya is a very poor country or maybe it's a developing country but we have families that are not able to entirely provide even for a three day a, a three meal in a day so if we can make the uh, education as free and ac- accessible and as available as possible for each and every person i think we would be able to cater for that particular issue and also um the government should come i know there are so many programs when it comes to tvet but uh are they accessible that is the question so making even the educational um trainings very accessible and affordable for everybody who might want to go through that because then that builds their capacity to be able to attain the goals that they would want to attain that's uh i think you lay down a very interesting point but do you think that the lack of education can lead young girls into prostitution yes and i'm saying that without fear of contradiction um uh, 
I have done a research in Kisumu, Homabi, uh, Kilifi, Kwale, and Zitrukana. Yeah. In all these counties, there was the same problem. Girls engaging into sex to provide for the families. And in some cases, you find that it's even the parents who are sending them to go to engage into sex or transact into sex for them to be able to provide for the family. Some parents even don't ask you, where have you come from? Where did you get this money from? Because anyway, they needed that money for food. So sometimes it's the problems that we have as a family that makes uh, the girls undergo or find themselves into crises that could have been solved otherwise. We live in a generation where sexual activities have been desensitized. We have pornography, which is a major factor. And we have young girls, as you said, who get into prostitution to be able to provide for their families. Meaning exposing your body is not sometimes a big deal, you know, for some people. But we all know that wasn't the case before, especially in Africa. I'm really talking in an African context. What to you is the remedy to going back to the old days where sexual activity used to mean something for Africans? Well, I'm not sure we are ever going back to that situation uh, anytime soon because currently what is happening is that um, we have kind of sexualized everything and everyone. What is happening, you find that uh, girls are being married off at a very young age. I know it has happened before and it's still happening now. But now uh, the issue is you're limiting these girls you're limiting the young people from reaching where they want to be. And sex is no longer, sex, sex is available. Let me just say that. Sex is available. And the reason why it's available is because either one, because of poverty, two, because of, you know, uh, for fun. Uh, how do we go back to having sex for procreation because previously maybe we used to have people used to engage into sexual activities for procreation or because they are married nowadays it's not a must even someone be married for them to have sex why because it's available there are a lot of uh, rape cases that are happening a lot of assaults a lot of um, kidnappings and trafficking children trafficking for sex you know, how then do we go back? It has to start from us. It has to start from our families. Many a times we find that uh, children are being perpetrated by their own family members because perpetrators are usually the people within our, within our circles, within our families. And what happens is that uh, the family, or maybe if it's my father who has molested or defiled me, I don't have, I, I, I am required not to go to report. Why? Because if I report, I'm going to bring shame to my family. If I report, other people are going to know about it. And maybe the person who molested me or defiled me is going to, to hurt me. But you, you, you also talked about something very important that, I, in my opinion, I don't think you broke it down completely. You said that we've sexualized everything, right? And what does it really mean? 
Well, um, the reason why I said that and the reason why I used that, that term is because those are some of the terms that are being used by the anti-rights. Sorry, I'm bringing a lot of uh, uh, a lot of NGO kind of uh, terms. But what there is is that when we are trying to empower the adolescents, the young people to make their choices, what other people feel is that we are trying to encourage them into engaging into sex. That is not the case. When I choose to capacity build someone in terms of uh, their reproductive health, I am not trying to encourage someone to engage into sex. In fact, research shows that young people, once they are capacity built to make right choices, the likelihood of them delaying sexual activities is high. And when someone does not have the knowledge, like I said before, then they are likely to engage into these activities. They're likely to get even pregnant and not know about it because maybe it's normal, you know, because someone doesn't have the information. Someone doesn't even know once you've already started uh, menstruating and you miss a period for a month or two, be cautious. Be, you need to, to question that right? But someone doesn't know. So what is going to happen? They are going to delay even knowing they are pregnant. And by the time they are getting to eight months is when they are, ah, no, this is not my stomach, <laughs> you know? But if they had the information previously, if they had the information before and early, they would have known where if I miss a period, I might be pregnant. If someone tries to attack me, or rape me, maybe I know I might not be able to entirely stop you, but would you please use a condom, you know, so such things. But now with other people, especially the anti-right movement, what they think is that when we are providing this information, when we are giving information and even referring for services, we are trying to encourage uh, adolescents and young people to engage into sex before they get married. But you also mentioned young girls getting married at younger ages, which is not new in Africa, I think in the world. But the way you talked about it, it's as if uh, it's always a bad thing. Now, maybe my question should be, what if the younger, and by younger, I mean a girl who is above 18 years old and she's consented to get married. Is it still a bad thing? In my case, it's about the adolescent age, 10 okay. and 19, 10, 18, below 18 years. Mm. Because within that period, you don't have information or the correct event. You're not well capacity built to, to consent, all right? So if you're being married off at nine years, are you enough? Are you old enough to, to consent for sex? Because I, for me, that would be defilement. For me, I would take that as rape. You know, because you're not old enough to have sex with the Mubabas, like 60 years, 40 years, 30 years. I get your point. And I want to end, I want to end the, the interview by reading this article I read earlier today. Religion is one of the leading causes of uh, opposition to sex education in Kenya for children. Conservative religious groups increasingly support and encourage abstinence. Yet Kenya has a high incidence of STDs and teenage and teenage pregnancy. What's your take on that? Thank you for that article. And thank you for mentioning the conservative groups. First and foremost, 
Uh, I would refer back to the LCS Ms. Nakumincha. Recently, she said that she is not going to provide condoms, specifically condoms, which is in the category of contraceptives to adolescents. But truth be told, in Kenya right now, do your own research. In Kenya right now, adolescents and young people are so sexually active that they know more, much more things than we do, than the old people do, maybe, if I can say that. So if you're saying about abstinence, uh, research shows that you can check that from the UNICEF or UNFPA uh, blogs. Research shows that if you, you're you providing sexual education, the likelihood of reducing teenage pregnancies, HIV is high. And it actually delays, like I mentioned earlier, it delays sexual activities because someone is able to know. But when you're only advocating for abstinence, the likelihood of getting high teenage pregnancies is high. One reason why, because mostly this is my, my thinking. When you say, when you keep on stopping someone to do something, they want to go and experiment when you're not around to know why. Why is so-and-so telling me, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. You know, people are very curious to experiment the things they are denied to do, right? So if you advocate for abstinence alone, we are going to have to continue having a broken generation, a broken country. For me, what I would say is um, advocating for abstinence alone will not is not even a cure for reducing teenage pregnancies. It is not a cure for reducing the high rates of HIV. The recent report can tell you it has all the evidence of why we should not continue advocating for abstinence alone. I deeply appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Doris, and I hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you very much for having me. Sure.